Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Now we are doing this series this month on the book of First and Second Peter. And a few months ago, we tackled most of the book of First Peter, and we finished up that book a couple weeks ago, and we are tackling the book of Second Peter, which is actually a letter that Peter wrote to the church. And we're calling it, Can I Go Home Now?, because so much of the themes and so much of, of these conversations that Peter is having in these letters is about wanting to kind of escape all the problems of the world, wanting to kind of get away from it. And, and Peter is looking forward into his future, and he's able, he's able to see that he is in prison and he is going to get killed for his faith. And so he's, he's trying to deal with this idea that we, we should just try to escape. And he's saying, no, you're, you're not done yet. You don't want, it's not just about going home. It's, I know that things are hard, but you're not done yet. My time is coming to a close, but I'm not done yet. I'm not giving up yet. And so he is writing these things to the church to try to remind them of why they are still here. And so in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, he, he spends the chapter, and, uh, and, and just so we're clear, Peter didn't write his letter in chapter and verse, okay? The, like, he didn't sit down and go, the epistle of Peter, second draft, chapter 1. Let, that's not how he wrote. He would have just written he would have just written the letter, and then later on throughout history, we would have added the chapter and verses so that we could navigate it, okay? Um, and so, but in this section of his letter that we call chapter 2, he focuses on this issue where we have a lot of influence in our lives. There are a lot of people and there are a lot of things that come up and and start to influence us and he wants to make it very clear what we are supposed to do with new influences in our lives some of us some of us have have been in the places where we we find a, a new pastor or a new church a new situation and the speaker is really good looking and he's really charismatic and he's a really good speaker and so like me right and um amen i be- i believe there's another jewel in your crown <clears throat> No, 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 not like, not like me, but somebody that's really, really just this big personality and captivates everybody with the personality. And you, you may have been to those churches and you've seen those guys, and they just, they just draw you in. Sometimes it's, um, we have incredible access through technology to podcasts and to YouTube videos and online church, and maybe you're scrolling through and you've been... 
you, you've been watching maybe political videos and then all of a sudden there's this pastor who's like backing up that politician that you really like and you start listening to them and they're just, again, they're really contagious, you're really interested in them, or maybe, maybe you're not a YouTube podcast kind of person, maybe you're, you're just into, you're really into articles and books, and you found an author or, or uh, an, yeah, an author or a book or a magazine that is really captivating about this, this question of where faith falls into life and, and what, what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to engage you and, and what theology is and what history looks like and how all that plays together. Maybe, maybe you've just found a new friend. There's just in your social circle, there's somebody that's really captivating and, and talking about things and they, they want, they make you want to kind of lean in. You ever had that experience? Anybody? Okay, so, so we have these influences and these new influences in our lives, and then sometimes those people or those podcasts, those videos, those books, whatever, we start engaging with those people or those things, and the ideas get thrown at us, and sometimes we go, that, that idea is a little different from what I've heard before. And sometimes those ideas are a little different and they're really appealing. They can be things like what Christianity is about and, and that we really need to hold to our morals. Christianity is all about our morals and our traditions. And if you don't, you've got to hold to your morals and to your traditions. And, and this new stuff that we're adding to Christianity is just, it's just bogus, it's baloney. Even these new songs that we're singing, they've got some twisted ideas in them. And, it, and you just you can't even listen to any of that music. Or maybe, maybe they start asking the questions that you have asked in your own life. Like, why... Why is Christianity supposedly the only way to God? Or, or is the Bible really trustworthy? Like, it must have been manipulated over the centuries and the 2,000 years that we've had it. There, there must be some issues there. Or why, why is it that, that, that even good people in, in this Christian teaching, that good people, even good people are going to get punished? Like, what's that about? Maybe... Maybe they, they start saying things like, you know what, God is a loving God. And that's all you need to know. Don't worry about any of the rest of it. God is love, and love cares about you, and love holds on to you, and love doesn't hold you back, and, and that's, that's what love is. Maybe... Maybe they start saying, you know what, the Bible, the Bible's get good at the core. It's good stuff, but it's, it's old and it talks about things for, for another culture, another situation. And you know what, you just, you gotta take the core of it and you gotta get rid of all the junk that doesn't belong there anymore. This idea about, about sex and this idea about family and identity and, and this thing about moral codes. Like some of those things just don't apply. What it's really about is just living, being a good person. 
Or maybe they start saying, you know what? As a Christian, you need to fight for your rights. You need to fight for your rights no matter what you've got to do. You've got to fight for your rights. You've got to stand up for your beliefs. And if that means you've got to physically fight somebody and you've got to be brutal and judgmental to take your stand, then that's what you need to do. Or they say, we've got a diverse world and we just need to accept everybody just as they are and just leave them at that. Or they say, you know what? Jesus died for your sins and you don't need to worry about sin anymore, ever. Maybe they say, you know what? You need, you need to follow all the rules in the Bible. And if you fail even once, then you are not good enough because the Bible is only for the select few. Now, some of those teachings, some of those thoughts, for different people in this room are more or less appealing. Some of you in this room may have thought, you know what, that idea about love, that's really, I really like that idea. Others of you in the room are thinking, yes, i got to stand up for my rights and I'm going to give it to them and I'm going to hold to that. Others of you really like the idea that all this new worship song stuff is baloney. Others of you can really resonate with this idea of maybe we can't trust the Bible and it's more about the, the, the kind of core of it. And those different teachings are out there and, and even if you, you believe the Bible and you are a follower of Jesus, some of those ideas or more and some of them less appealing to you, aren't they? The problem is the problem is that if we follow those teachings we end up going backwards in our lives. We end up going backwards into the things that have caused problems and caused damage and caused death in our lives and in our world. That when we start to pursue those ideas and we start questioning the validity and the whole truth of the Bible, all of a sudden we start doing things in our life without any real foundation because what are we basing it on other than our own ideas and our own opinions that change? And so you end up following this road, but you end up not being able to stand on it, and things start to fall apart, and there's nothing you can really do to change it. There's nothing you can really do to have guidance, and you end up being lost. Other times, it ends up, you end up falling back into the sins. Sometimes the sins that you used to struggle with and defeated... Who consume, that consumed you and it brings you right back into it. And these can be sins like 
Maybe you've got a history where, where you were sleeping around or you cheated on your spouse and you got out of that and all of a sudden this idea of, of, of just going with it and that, that sin really isn't a big issue and you can live the lifestyle that you want and, and, and God just loves us just as we are and doesn't want to change anything about us. You, you start following into, falling into those kinds of ideas and all of a sudden you start living and that, that old lifestyle starts to be appealing to you and you can find that all of a sudden your marriage is in trouble again. Maybe it's this, you used to be very judgmental. Almost to the point of being hateful to other people. And you had this really exceptional capacity to look at other people and to see their sin and to call them out and you had justified that idea and said you know what i i'm better at least i'm not as bad as so and so and all of a sudden you start following this teacher or this idea this this teaching and you start looking at it and being like well i know i'm following the moral code of the bible and that's what matters and so i know that i'm doing better than so and so and all of a sudden you have a new excuse to judge and to belittle and to attack somebody. And you end up going back to these old sins that had power over you. You end up falling back into the old anxiety that you used to wrestle with when you didn't have anything firm to stand on. Your relationships fall apart. And those sins that we fall back into and those ideas that we fall back into have natural consequences. They aren't simply just the consequences of, oh, you're sinning and so God puts a roadblock in your way. But doing life that way, that living a life of sin has natural consequences. Like when you try to use a hammer to put a screw into the wood, you're, it, you're just going to do damage. There's a natural consequence to doing things wrong, and sin is doing things wrong. And when we start living that way, relationships fall apart, your mental health falls apart, your, he- your physical health starts to diminish, your relationships fall apart, our economy, everything starts to fall apart. And you stop reaching those around you, and you start living in a way that is selfless and loving and fighting for other people. And all of a sudden, you are living for you and what is okay with you. And you convince yourself that, oh, I'm just free and I'm just letting everybody do their thing. But if we're just letting everybody around us eat poison, isn't that selfish? This is what Peter says to the church. 2 Peter chapter 2. Verses 1 to 3, he writes, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Heresies are are false teachings. Even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. 
In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. And then over in verse 18, he continues, he says, For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. This is what I want us to get here today. If they lead you back to sin and death, stop following them. If they lead you back to sin and death, stop following them. Make sense? Obvious? And yet we still need the reminder. That's the simple truth of the Word of God. It is simple. It's obvious. It's clear. It's right there. But we don't want to do it. Because everything else appeals to the lustful desires of our hearts. You know, in the Old Testament... God rescues the Israelites from Egypt. He goes in and he does all of these massive, miraculous things. And he rescues them out of Egypt and he takes them through the wilderness and he shows I, that he's fighting for them. He does miraculous things to provide for them over and over and over again. And then they get to this land that God had promised them and said, I'm bringing you to this land. And he sends spies into the land to see what's there. And they see everything and they're like, man, this is a fantastic place to live. But there are giants there. And we're scaled. We're scared of the giants. And the people rebel and say, Not for this. Let's go back to Egypt. They've got onions. And the people actually form a plan to go back to Egypt where they were slaves. But they had onions. So apparently it was worth it to them or something. Well, Moses ends up appealing to God because God just wanted to wipe everybody out and because uh, it's so frustrating and that entire generation they wander in the desert for 40 years until that entire generation of adults and leaders die and then they go into the promised land the 
these elements of sin and death in our lives. It's like it's like when you get food poisoning. This isn't a pretty image. I understand this. But it's like having food poisoning. And when you get food poisoning, you typically you, you throw everything up. It's like having that happen and then going, oh, I'll try that again. Peter actually says, he quotes a proverb in verse 22. He says, a dog returns to its vomit and a sow, a pig, that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. We get food poisoning, we throw up, and then we eat it again? If it leads you back to sin and death, don't eat it again. Stop following. And Peter outlines, he gives a number of red flags that we should keep aware of, of things that if if they're saying these things, if they're doing these things, we need to avoid them. These are your warnings. Here's your sign that they are not worth following and that if you follow them, they will lead you back to sin and death. And verse 2, he talks about them being depraved or having sin in their lives, that they are corrupting their, their language and their lifestyle and that they are living in a way that has sin. In verse 1, they... Yeah, in verse 1, they talk about denying Jesus. That if they deny Jesus as the sovereign God, then that is your sign. He talks about if they make up stories... They're adding things to the Bible. Then that's a warning sign if they gain popularity through Christianity. And they're just soaking up all the attention. If they have corrupt desires, if they despise authority, and they are bold and arrogant, if they never stop sinning, And they encourage lust. These are all signs. These are all warning signs that they will lead you back to sin and death. So stop following them. So what do you do? What do we need to do with all this? Well, the first thing is you need to remember your testimony. What is a testimony? When, when somebody goes to court, they, they have to give testimony. They give an account of their experience of a particular situation. And your testimony of faith is your story, your particular experience of faith and your journey. And many of us in this room have a testimony about how we were living in a way that led to sin and death, that things were breaking apart, things were falling apart, we were dead inside, there was no hope, there was no way out, and we were doing things that were sinful and were harming others. And then 
Christ came and changed our hearts and changed our lives, and he showed us a new way of going, and he put life into us. We have those stories. Many of you have that story, and if you don't have that story, then you're probably sitting next to somebody that does have that testimony. We need to remember those testimonies because that's like remembering right Do not eat the KFC that has been sitting on the counter for four days. And don't eat it when it comes up again. The testimony, our testimonies remind us of what life used to be like. Of where sin led us where sin has led other people. And they remind us of the goodness of God and the destruction that is sin. So remember your testimonies. Seriously, write them down. Take time. Go home. Write down your story, where you were, how, you, how Jesus found you, and what life is like now. Write that down. Put that in your Bible. Stick it in the back. Use it as a bookmark. Check it out. Read it every now and again. Remember your testimony. The second thing you need to do is you need to test the teacher. You need to examine the teacher. Examine what I'm saying Examine the books you read, the podcasts you listen to, compare them to Scripture. Are they taking one small portion of Scripture and ignoring everything else? That's not good. If they start saying things, you know what? The Bible says God is love. And they don't talk about anything else. They just take that one phrase and then they talk about their own ideas for the rest of the time. If they focus less and less and less on Jesus and the Word of God, that's a warning sign. Don't just believe what I'm saying. Test what I'm saying. Compare it to the Word of God. Thirdly, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. If you are intentionally passionately pursuing Jesus in your knowledge and in your relationship with him then you will be less and less enticed to get distracted you won't be wandering as much invest in your relationship with Christ make church a priority make small groups a priority make Bible reading and prayer time a priority Make those relationships that help you grow more and more in Christ-likeness, make those relationships a priority. The more you do that, the less appealing all the other ideas and thoughts will be. And finally, finally, if you can, if you have realized that you have been following a false teaching or a false teacher, then your next step is to confess that. 
confess and repent. To say to God, God, I have avoided you and I have pursued a false teacher and I am sorry. Forgive me and set me back on the right path. Don't just flippantly ignore that situation. Confess it. Admit it. Confess it to somebody else here. And turn back to Christ. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.